down the near sideline. Trinaman is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that! Touchdown Cougars on the first play of the game! Takes it down the right side of the lane, right to the rim, scoop, and a score! It rolls around and drops down. Takes this free kick and curls it. Inside the left post, what a goal! He's been with you for the moments that make your BYU sports memories. He's the voice of the Cougars. And this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. Here now is your host, Greg Rubel. Good Wednesday evening. Hello once again, Cougar Nation, as we welcome you back inside BYU Radio Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for another episode of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Our once-a-week in-depth interview show in which I get to visit with the three BYU sports personalities that uh, you likely all know and might like to get to know better. Great to have you with us this evening, live or on demand. If you are joining us on this Wednesday night live, you've got us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, or on the BYU Radio app. If you are listening on demand, you are either on the Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast on all major podcast platforms or podcasting from our Behind the Mic show page at byuradio.org. You can also get every show archived for on-demand listening there, so check that page out at byuradio.org. Look for the Shows tab and then find us there. The BYU Radio website also has show pages for our weekly Coordinators Corner and Satake Show broadcasts. Coming up on this evening's episode, football, basketball, then some more football as we visit with former BYU Corner and current BYU TV analyst Brian Logan. We'll recap uh, what has been a tumultuous first half of the BYU football season and then discuss uh, whether a strong second half might be in the cards for the Cougs. One week from tonight, We'll have BYU basketball on BYU Radio as the Cougar Hoopsters stage their annual Cougar tip-off intra-squad game at the Marriott Center. Joining me courtside that night next Wednesday will be Mark Durant. And joining me tonight in Studio 2 will be Mark Durant. If you think we've talked about all there is to talk about over our 20-plus years on the air together... Well, maybe you're right, but I hope you're not. Uh, we'll see what we can uncover when Mark settles in across from me. And we'll conclude our show by visiting with the winningest quarterback in BYU football history, Max Hall, the last quarterback to commandeer a win over Utah and the last to engineer a, a truly high-flying BYU pass attack this season, has seen the throw game struggle to the back of the pack in the FBS. We'll get Max's memories and thoughts on the current state of the Cougars. Max's interview is featured in our Catching up with the Cougars segment sponsored by BYU alumni. And that is our guest lineup tonight on Behind the Mic. And we'll kick it off. Coming up in a moment, we'll have Brian Logan in studio talking BYU football. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Brian Logan, next. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. All right, uh, last time we visited with our first guest tonight, uh, the BYU football team was 500 on the season, 1-1 one and one after a win over Portland State and a Superdome setback to LSU. Who knew that six weeks and five games later, BYU would still be looking for that second win, but here we are as we welcome former BYU cornerback and current BYU TV analyst Brian Logan back into Studio 2. Oh, those were the days. One and one. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, heck, man, I mean, I think about, you know, 2010, and 
I'm I'm like I I feel I feel better about that season. You know, compared to this 2010 season. was uh was a one and four start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one in one in four. Um, and I I felt embarrassed not only because you know Utah State we haven't lost to them. I think it was you know 20 something years. Went to Logan, yep. got beat pretty good. Went, went to Logan, almost exact exact identical situation, and um, you know we ended up turning it around. And but but I just remember that feeling. Of just discuss and and you think about prior, you know, ten win seasons, eleven win seasons, bowl games, you know, nationally ranked. Two thousand nine, we we finished ranked twelfth uh, in the nation, eleven and, wins. And, and, yeah. and so I I you know as as a senior and as a player, even only being in this program for you know only two years, a small amount of time, I felt I felt embarrassed because I knew I knew what that why stood for. Um, and, and I knew that the tradition and and just everything that that BY that comes with BYU football, and it was it was yeah it was a bad feeling man. But I would say you know it's not funny, but it's kind of it's kind of erased now. Um, you know you never want to be as a player you never want to be that that team or that guy that you know kind of messed up the the legacy so to speak. And I'm not saying that that's happening here, but it definitely uh, you know makes a one and four start. You know, it seemed a little bit better. So, so what happened in 2010, and the turnaround did come after one and four. One of the things that precipitated uh, the turnaround was a staffing change, and Bronco took back over uh, the coordinator duties and the play calling. But that wasn't all that happened. That was a really important week for BYU, and it did prove that you can take something heading a certain way and yeah. flip it and turn it. And what's it going to take to turn this season becomes the question as we look at BYU 1-6 and six right now. But if you could take us back to that experience beyond just, uh, you know, beyond just a, a staff change and a guy doing some different things, mm-hmm. what permeated throughout the entire team that helped you flip that thing around that year? Um, it, it, was, it was definitely 100% off the field um, tactics and, and – uh, dealing with some of the issues that, that we had off the field. And, you know, people are going to laugh, and I think a lot of people kind of question, you know, Bronco and, and how he went about things. But it, it was, you know, making sure the locker room was clean, um, you know, making sure that, that the smallest little details that we were doing. And, and if we weren't doing those things, we weren't going to get on the field. And I, and I think at the time it was it was really appropriate because it was a young group of guys and just that, that didn't have the experience but more so, and I, and I always remember this with when Bronco. What Bronco said was, you know, you guys have the effort, you guys have the desire, you have the passion, and you know, talent. You you have enough talent to to beat these teams, um, but but you guys don't know how to work. You you guys don't know how to take all those things together and do the things that you got that you need to do off the field, film study, weight room, etc., um, in order to you know translate that to the field. And and that stuck with me and will stick with me for for forever, you know. And, and he was like, I have to teach you guys and show you guys how to how to work. And first and foremost, you know, we got we're gonna do perfect tens. When when he when he took over that week, we didn't practice until I think thirty minutes left on on Wednesday because <laughs> we were running sprints, we were running perfect tens, and and we had to complete. Uh, I think what they uh, Utah State gave up twenty or twenty four or thirty five points, something like that, and we had to run a perfect ten for every single point that we gave up. Hmm. And I was like, "This is madness. We're not. We're definitely going to lose this next game because we haven't even practiced, you know, at all." And 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 but that's what what he needed to, you know, uh, embed in our minds and our spirits and our hearts that you know you have to do the things the the right way. I need all eleven guys. At the same time, 
doing their job 100% and doing it consistently. So we ended up running within three days, 76 <laughs> perfect tens. <laughs> and and uh, until we finally got it, we were able to practice. And, and you look at that situation, you look at, um, you know, the, the locker room and, and how after every practice he would come and he would say, okay, I found a Starburst wrapper and I found somebody's socks. That's two sprints. Everybody, you know, everybody do. So how much more do you think, you know, we paid attention to detail, you know, and, and when, when, when we were on the field, it, be, it became so easy for us. And I think that was, was, was really the, 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 the biggest change in, in the switch there. So uh, flashing forward now to 2017, beyond some of the inner workings to which you might not have access now currently, what do you as an analyst see that this BYU team could uh, could stand most in need of right now in an effort to turn this thing around? I, 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 I would say the same exact thing. And, you know, attention, I, attention to detail? It's, well, I, I would say, I would say it's, it's, it's accountability. And because um, because you look at you look at the, this team and and not so much different from last year, um, you have two big pieces gone. You know Taysom and Jamal. But the, when you look at the the opponents um, like a Boise or, or like a Utah, those games should be won, right? We're not we're not. It's okay the Mississippi State and the LSU, right? That's that's fine. We expect that. But those other teams, there's there's no way in the world that they should be losing. And and so to me as a, as a as an analyst I, I look and I say okay it's it's obviously two things right uh, coaches or it's the players and you know you hear the the, the coaches and, and all the statements and stuff it's so cliche like oh yeah I got to do a better job I got to do a better job but at the end of the day if I, I can't I can't force you know water a cup of water down you know somebody's throat they have to they have to drink it and and if if I lead them to the, you know that cup of water and I take you know, different routes. Let's say, okay, this route didn't work. This way didn't work. This situation didn't work. Okay, now I you you just you just straight up not doing what I'm asking you to do. And so I have to now play the next player. So, in in that sense, yeah, you put that on the player. However, at the end of the day, you know, it's it all falls on the coach. And so if that means that I have to bench this guy so that he will eventually get to that water and drink it, then that's what I have to do. But it's it's just such a tough situation um, when you when you're in that position because. You, we don't know the, the, how big that drop-off is, um, you know, from the second and third string guy. BYU and ECU gives us a 1-6 versus 1-6 matchup on Saturday night. And uh, just by the numbers, if BYU's going to get it turned around on offense this year, it better be Saturday, right? Because ECU allows a high point total and a high yardage total to everyone they've played. FCS, FBS, good teams, not so good teams. BYU somewhere in that in that mix. This has to be a weekend where BYU shows that they're better than they've shown to this point, right? I, I think this is the, the, the test. The line in the sand game. <laughs> it is because, and this goes back to all of our speculation, is it coaches, is it players, is it experience, whatever the case is, this team is so bad. <laughs> and And we know that, you know, these we have talent at BYU. We know that they're they're more than capable, coaching staff and players. And I think if if, if BYU goes out and and especially more on the offensive side, continues their struggles, I, I think at that point we can say, all right, it's it's more so on the players. Um, you know, they, they 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 there isn't any accountability there. You know, maybe they're just going through the motions or, or whatever the case may be. But but I think that this gives us that opportunity because with Mississippi State, it's like, well, are they not doing what we asked them to do, or are they just flat out, 
you know, overwhelmed by by good talent, right? And and you kind of seen that, you know, in in some of the games, especially with the schedule. But now, I mean, it's 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 going to be it's going to be clear, right? I think I think a lot of things are going to be exposed. I, I think it's a it's a very much you know the, the cliche would be statement game, but it will be in a lot of ways. You're on Saturday night, and and is winning out possible? Is getting back to a 13th straight bowl game possible? Absolutely, it is. But um, we need to see some some very definable things from this team on Saturday night uh, because ECU is the kind of team that will allow you to do what you want to get done offensively if you have your act together and they have been scoring on teams too if this thing yeah. gets into a you know a, you know a, even a lower scoring type of shootout game can be while you respond uh, with that with that back and forth that might be required because they have scored points against some good teams ECU that is yeah. and their passing game is much more productive and developed right now than BYU's and so uh, it'll either be it'll either be the defense. I think playing an exceptional game and keeping ECU very low or the offense finally having the game that we think they should and could have because you, I think you'd agree with me, Brian, BYU is better talent and coaching-wise than one in six shows. They need to prove it now. Yeah, well, 100%. And and, that, and that's, going to this game makes me nervous. And, and you know, some of the analysts and, and even some of the national analysts are like, this is intriguing. You know, you have the worst one of the worst defenses in the nation uh, going against one of the worst offenses in the nation. And, um, you know, with, with, with me, because of what you said, um, they can score points um, and, and on good teams. And they do have talent, especially on – uh, the, the the skill positions great and, wide receivers I and, think yeah. right and, and 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 when you look at this this level and and, and P five schools I, I believe BYU is, is a couple steps a, ahead um, you're always going to have talent on you know in your skill positions the offensive line and the depth is really where the issues and the drop off is but but because of the the issues and the challenges going against teams like like Boise or or, or Utah State. I am concerned, and and you look at the defense, and there has been a drop off, even with Mississippi State and, and the talent. You still see a, a, a drop off in overall just scheme and, pro, and just production as a whole. Um, and so, knowing that you know ECU can score, and knowing that it, we can't score on a team like ECU, it's 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 scary. They, you know, the guys, you know, David Nixon and all them, they they made fun of me because I said I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think you, 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 you could pick 10-7, 10-7, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and David was like, "That's got to be a typo, man." I was like, "Nope, it's it's legit." <laughs> but if the defense is good enough to do that, I'll take it. I'll right. take ten seven. I just want to win. Uh, no matter what happens on Saturday, we'll, we'll see you break it down on AFR next Tuesday, right? So yep. after further review, uh, Tuesdays at five o'clock Mountain Time, seven o'clock Eastern, and then tell us uh, what you also have going on the side, uh, your other media efforts. Yeah, yeah, my. My podcast, so it's uh, it's called the the Royal Blue Podcast, um, and uh, it's it's been it's been really good. It's been been uh, challenging because the season hasn't been going so well. But but we just um, launched and promoted um, a really special episode. It's, it's called the Double Minority Report. Right. Yeah. So it's been all over social media <laughs> yep, this week. Yeah. 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 And um, I, I had of course no Double I, Minority refers to. Oh yeah, of course. I got I got to give the background. Yeah. Um, and uh, so if you are. Um, African American, and uh, you know you, you're a double minority here in Utah County. If you are not LDS, you are, or excuse me, you're a minority. If you're not uh, LDS, you are a minority. So you have two minorities. You're a double minority, and uh, you know got to give credit to, to Ben Criddle, but um, you know for coming up with that. But it's 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 the the engagement that we've had from the fans and just you know. Emails and and uh, DMs and even um, you know Joe, my cousin, and, and Devon Blackman, they are getting hit up too. And and it, it's it's you know 
I have a couple tears that dropped, you know, the, the, the last couple of days because fans are like, hey, what can I do to help out? And to, to me, that lets me know that it's, it's bigger than, hey, let's just get let's get some of these black athletes so we can win games, so we can win games. Right. I mean, it's it's it, you know, got people are, are, you know, emailing me and saying my whole perspective has has changed on this and, and trying to give the support and the resources. And I think that the biggest thing that I love from those guys, and you look at Joe Sampson, who mm-hmm. had struggles, um, you know, right before the end of the senior year, um, you know, ended up uh, having to leave school, didn't even finish his senior year, and still is here to this day, still loves BYU, still recommends BYU. And and the best, the best thing about it all is all three of us so far who we've interviewed and talked to, Nobody thinks that the honor code should go away or it should change. We we all believe at this stage in our lives that it's made us who we are, you know, today. But but how can we find some more resources or support to to help that? So it's it's been uh, it's been a blessing so far. Royal Blue Podcast, the Double Minority Report is the current edition, <laughs> and I look forward to our next visit. Last time you were here, we talked a little bit more about life, and we'll do that again on, on a further show. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Brian, good to have you, and we'll do it again soon. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Anytime. All right, that's uh, Brian Logan. Coming up next, you'll hear him next Wednesday right here on BYU Radio calling BYU Basketball with me. He is Mark Durant, and he's my next guest as we continue. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. My friend and yours, Mark Durant, next. Stay with us. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. As a BYU freshman in 1989, former Provo High School standout Mark Durant stood out as a starter on a veteran-laden BYU basketball team that would win 21 games, a conference championship, and earn an NCAA tournament berth. After two years of missionary service, Mark would return and play three more years and in total 128 games, all of them consecutively from freshman season through senior season. He never missed a game, played in them all. His games played tally stands 15th in BYU Hoops history, and his consecutive game streak is still third all-time at BYU. Less appreciated is the fact that Mark ranks seventh in total fouls and third in times disqualified. The second of two Durant brothers to play for BYU, Mark proved eminently qualified to continue his Cougar career as a broadcaster from 1997 to the current day. Some 20 years and 21 seasons later, Mark has been a smooth and soothing voice on the radio, joining yours truly for hundreds of BYU basketball games, countless big shots and great plays. Mark is as renowned for his social media presence as he is his broadcasting prowess, making his Twitter feed a must-have for anyone with a keen sense of humor and a fondness for biting wit, clever commentary, and the occasional cat video. Whether on the hardwoods or on the headset... Mark did, and you do get the best Mark Durant has to offer. He was and is the best team player a coach or a play-by-play guy could hope to have on his side. I'm grateful that Mark has been at my side for the last 20 years, and I hope we have many more years together. It is my deep and abiding pleasure to welcome to Studio 2, Mark Durant. Hello, Mark. Thank you, my dear friend, Gregory. I've missed you <laughs> over these months. Uh, I consider you one of my best friends in the world, and yet we don't hang out over the summer months so it makes me a little bit sad but thanks for having me on your show finally finally greg you have me on your show 
but it's great to be on. And this is this is like satellite radio. And oh, it's... So I can I can cuss and stuff, right? That's how it works. <laughs> Fans on these... are expecting that from you tonight. <laughs> so I, I wanted to work out all the kinks before I brought you on. I want to make sure you had uh, a smooth operation to settle into before I just brought you on willy-nilly. This, this is big time. I mean, this studio and this whole building, I mean, this is, this is, is uh, as high-tech and as... High powered as you get. So I'm impressed. It, it is true. We do see a lot of each other from October through March, <laughs> and then very little of each other from April uh, through September. But there is an annual occasion at which we all get together, and and and, yes. we, and we do convene at least once in the summertime uh, to make sure that our absence isn't is, isn't too uh, deepened. And uh, that's one of the highlights of our of our year in the Rubel family. Well, yes, it's the annual BYU Media Basketball uh, Barbecue. And what I do is I, I say, okay, Greg, you tell me when you're free, and then we'll invite everyone else because you, you're, you're the hard one to nail down. But once we've got you, we get everybody, even Jerem and Spencer came this year. It was a, it's a great evening, a lot of fun, and uh, it is my chance to get to see you at least once during the summer. And really, that's, that's about all I need. So it works yeah, out well. It works out well. Uh, these are epic events, by the way, and, and the highlight of these is it's – To call it comedy doesn't do it enough justice. There's a moment in the night when Mark will make a presentation, and it is certainly comedic, but it's much more than that. It is is photoshopping. It is writing. It is emotion. uh, It it is uh, everything that that you'd want from a a moving experience that Mark Durant could provide you, and your your, your family gets involved. And and this this year you may have outdone yourself with the the BYU – basketball broadcaster media guide and and if this could only be you know published uh you might find yourself even more popular than you already are having already written a book um it was remarkable well it it uh i'm glad you liked it it took quite a while to be it's not easy to be that funny it takes a lot of effort so uh and my son jordan who's on a mission in tacoma uh, hi everyone from Tacoma. Take care of Jordan Durant, Elder Jordan Durant. Elder Durant. Out there. He did the photoshopping and I took for instance, your face and put it on. I think Jamal Eights's body, and that yeah. was your picture for the big. <laughs> so it was, and you could hardly tell the difference. No, it's a good in, look for in me. a lot of ways. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's listen. It's a it's a fun night, and uh, I'm glad uh, that you like it because it's a it's actually pretty a pretty neat night for us at the Durant home. It's a blast. Uh, you have another son with us uh, in the studio here tonight. This is the great George Durant, who returned from St. Louis uh, on a mission this uh, July. He's now a freshman here at Brigham Young University, and so it was a great chance to come down and be on your show and then hang out with my son. So the great George, he's a tall, strapping, handsome uh, young man for all, for any uh, BYU co-eds out there, and he's uh, disturbingly single, actually, so <laughs> you might want to reach out to him. When we started working together, he was a toddler. He was a baby. It's incredible. The same with your children. Now they're yeah. getting married and having kids, and... And you even had a couple kids since, uh, as as did I since we started. This has been a long time. What is it? Thirty seven years now. Is it just it? feels like that. <laughs> so what? Tw- it's twenty one. It's it's our twenty first season together. Yeah, twenty one. So twenty years ago we started working together. It's our twenty first season together on the air. And uh, yeah, it, it, we've seen all of our kids uh, grow up to what they to, to what they are right now, uh, for better or worse. And uh, George, to my left, your son George. George uh, carries the same name as your father. Yes. And back in the day, before I uh, knew you as a basketball player or would later know you as a broadcaster, 
Back in the fall of 1986, in fact, here we are, October 18th. It was October 15th, 1986, 31 years ago, 31 years and three days ago, that I checked into the Provo MTC, and my MTC president was your dad, George Durant. That's when I first became familiar with the Durant family name and with your dad, and who knew from that day to this day, that the the Durant family would be such a large part of my life. But from that very, very first day, I was full of angst and worry and concern and homesickness and all the things that uh, one might feel into the MTC. And there he was, uh, George Durant, with uh, a handshake and a friendly voice and and, and a hearty welcome. And he asked me to say uh, an opening prayer in the first meeting of all the new missionaries, and that was my first exposure to your dad and your family, and it's been a uh, wonderful relationship ever since, and I have such fondness uh, for your family, from George to everyone else in the clan, that uh, I just uh, am blessed to still have you by my side doing what you do all the time. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, It was a special time for our family uh, when he was mission president in the MTC, and I got to go up and you know, play basketball with the missionaries and go to the devotionals and eat eat at the cafeteria. <laughs> uh, and so that was a lot of fun. And, you know, rarely does a week go by that someone doesn't come up to me and say something like you just said about how much my dad meant to them. And he's a, he's a, actually a glorious person and he's everything you'd, you'd hope he would be. And people have this image, but he's even, he's so much better than that. And he's off with his wife, Susan Easton Black and, uh, Nauvoo right now doing who knows what missionary stuff and, and speaking, and they travel all over speaking. So he's he's getting a little older, but he's still uh, doing it. He's still having a, a great time and, and doing great things. And over the years, whether as a neighbor of mine, when we used to live in the same uh, neighborhood, or anytime else I'd see him, um, he's uh, remained as friendly as he ever was on that very first. I have one of his paintings in my office, and he's a great artist, and uh, it's another blessing in, uh, I know, your family's life uh, to have him doing uh, Let's... Uh, the Durant family name is well-known to BYU basketball fans. Before you started playing, a brother Devin was a big part of the basketball program. And uh, the other brothers, beyond basketball, have done some pretty cool things with their lives, too. Uh, give us a, a rundown of, of your siblings and what they have done and do uh, beyond uh, the ones we know about in basketball. Yes, yeah, so my, my oldest brother, Matt, is the Chief Justice of the Utah Supreme Court. So uh, the things that I chose to do in life, Greg, is play basketball and uh, be a, a lawyer— and are, are things that I can never possibly hope to attain the heights that my brothers have. So it's like, I don't know why I do that to myself, but uh, Matt's an amazing guy, and he's become a dear friend. He's f- separated by age because he's the oldest of eight, and I'm the youngest of eight. But uh, over the years, we've developed a passion for golf. So every week, Matt and I and my wife play golf together, and it's we've become the very best of friends. And he's, he's an incredible man, a great scholar, but just a, a beautiful man, and and then my sister Catherine is an attorney. She lives up in Boise, and uh, she's doing great things. And she went to law school later in life and became an attorney. And just she's just an amazing person. What a great story she is. And uh, you know, Devin, we mentioned, and growing up, people would ask me, "Are you going to be as good as your brother?" And I said, "No, neither are you." And that's just—I <laughs> mean, he was the, maybe the greatest offensive player ever that I've seen. And you know, I know he's my brother, but just the smoothness that he had, and just. He would destroy teams with relative ease, and it was so fun to watch. And he's 
in the in the general Sunday school presidency now. So what an amazing man he is! And you know, my sister Miranda, you lived up by her and her, her husband Steve, and she's mm-hmm. uh, she was like a second mother to me growing up and changed my diapers and she was the kind of the one that would tend me and so I have a special relationship with her and Dwight is seminary teacher at Lone Peak High School a lot of these players like Nick and TJ and those guys know Dwight because he was a seminary teacher there for them and And I live near to him too now yeah yeah yeah, you do up there in uh, Cedar Hills and uh, of course Warren is one of your favorite people (laughs) Warren lives up in Alpine just an amazing guy and a good friend and just a really unique uh, wonderful person and my dear sister Sarah, who also lives up in uh, in uh, Alpine, and her husband Kelly and her son Sterling just got engaged, and so I I think I got everyone. George, did I get everyone? That's eight, right? I think I think I got I got, I got Warren. We did get Thanks Warren. for yeah, paying yeah. attention, George. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what a what a great blessing it is to be a part of a family like that, and it sometimes makes me feel inadequate, but uh, overall I feel incredibly blessed. Mark Durant, an accomplished lawyer in his own right these days, and of course a broadcaster by my side for 20 years. Uh, let the good folks know how it is that uh, we came to be a team. Well, uh, as when you took over for Paul because of his health issues and other reasons, uh, the great Paul Ruffner decided he was going to stop as well. And, you know, Paul Ruffner, I saw Brian the other day and got to talk to him, and I suggested that Paul come on and take my place for one game. And he said, no, he's not going to do that. But. And I still see Paul on a pretty regular basis walking the track at the field house. So Paul Ruffner did start me off. So back in 96-97, the year that Paul James had to step aside after some heart surgery, that season before you came on, uh, I worked with a few different guys. One of them was, of course, Paul Ruffner, who was was uh, Paul James's partner for a long time. But Paul only did, uh, Ruffner did just a game or two with me before he realized he wanted to step away too. But the very first game I ever called as BYU basketball's play-by-play voice, was with Paul Ruffner in Seattle <laughs> against Washington. And BYU, no joke, lost by 51. 95-44 to was the score. And BYU would win one game that year. So from a 1-25 season, they almost tore everything up, but they kept me. Then I had to go find somebody <laughs> to work with. Yeah, an auspicious beginning for you, but it's gotten a little better since then. Uh, Much better. We, we've certainly seen a lot over the years. But Greg, you were saying and, that uh, Paul, and, yeah, stepped Paul stepped aside. Yeah, stepped aside, and, and you were – so you were looking for somebody, and uh, you talked to all the really good players that you were around, and uh, none of them – they all had obligations, whatever, and uh, I knew that you were asking around, and I always liked being on with, with Paul and Paul after the games. I thought I had a knack for it, so I said, hey – if you ever talk to Greg, let him know I might be interested. And lo and behold, you gave me a call, and I said, let's go out to lunch. And, man, we hit it off right out. I think it was something like – I don't know if it was Shula's at it the time. It was Shula's Steakhouse. Shula's Steakhouse over yeah. there in Salt Lake City. And, and it was just uh, – it was like we'd known each other for a long time, and maybe we have. And uh, and it was it just seemed like a nice give and take, uh, and our personalities are different, but per- they match each other. And I think fans uh, like that a lot. And uh, so – uh, it, it really, you know, I, I joke about it, but uh, it's been a tremendous experience for me. And what it what it really has done, aside from our friendship and all that stuff, is, yeah, I was a very mediocre player. You mentioned my superlatives, but that, that's, I mean, I, I was a role player, which I, I'm proud of. But I was very mediocre as a player, and without this whole thing, I, I would be forgotten. Not that I need to be remembered, necessarily, <laughs> but... It makes me feel like I'm a part of BYU and a part of the tradition, and and just out of longe- longevity, 
I feel like uh, I'm 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 a, I'm an important part of BYU history, and maybe that's uh, I'm giving myself too much credit, but I, I I value that. As you know, I love BYU, and to be a part of it and in working with you and seeing history transpire over the last twenty years, it's been great. I hope that uh, our audience out there. Um, enjoys the time they have with us and view us and listen to us and 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 think of us as as their friends and their um, and their uh, partners in passion through this whole thing for how we all feel about uh, the, the team we cover and the school we love. Um, I hope at least that uh, that we have a you know a good thing going in their minds too, and that we're something that, uh, that that that's a part of their BYU experience. I know that if you were anything like me, like if you were totally like me, this might not work really well. But because you're not, it does. You are the perfect balance to whatever it is I am. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not everyone's cup of tea, maybe not even yours sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> but because of the way you are, it works out really, really well, uh, the way, I, the way I, I, I viewed things over the years. I couldn't ask for a, a better partner. And I feel, oddly enough, the, way, the same way about Mark Lyons. You and Mark Lyons are both the perfect counterbalance to, again, whatever it is I am. And uh, I just appreciate you for the person you are and all the things that you are not. Well, you know, I'm a pretty mellow guy. I don't like to talk, which is odd because, you know, I'm on the radio and people will, will come up to me and they'll listen to the radio and think, that's not Mark because Mark doesn't talk. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, it brings it out of me and, uh, and you probably wouldn't let me do it if I didn't talk. I mean, that's kind of part of the job description. But, yeah. but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of ultra mellow. And you're, you're on the hyper side of things. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, with both Mark, I think Mark Lines is kind of the same way, a little, you know, kind of folksy and slower. And, and, and you need to be how you are because you're calling the action, boom, bang, bing, bang. But then Mark and I kind of take the pauses. And, and, and I think, uh, yeah, I think if if you're both if we were both like me, it wouldn't work, and if we were both like you, it wouldn't work. So I'm with you. Hopefully, it works. And you know, one thing I learned early, Greg, is that no matter how good or bad you are, you're going to have people that don't like you. Uh, you just might not be their cup of tea, and so you just do your best and hope that most of the people like you. And I think. Even if we're not that good, because we've done it for so long, people get used to us. They have to and, just deal they, with us. They, they, they kind of feel like we're their friends, and we are, because we're all in it together uh, through the, the Jimmer years and through the one and six years. I mean, we're all kind of in it together. We're all pulling for the same team, and we're just kind of part of that game day experience, I hope. And, and uh, you know, I value that, and I, I hope the fans value that. I never want to ask you how much longer you want to keep doing it because I don't want to have to address the possibility of not doing it with you. So we're just not going to touch that one here tonight. But let's just let's <laughs> Greg, just. Greg, I, I wanted to talk to you about <laughs> something. I have an announcement to make. Uh, I, I I'm now 50. That's a milestone year. But I still feel much younger than that and feel like I could go a while. And so if they let me do it, I want to keep doing it for a few more years. And I'm just going to say I hope that you feel the same way. I do. I, I people say how long are you going to do this, and I'll say until Greg tells me I'm not doing it anymore. And uh, that's not going to happen. So, uh, well, you know, I always look at it as it's your deal. I'm a big part of it, but this is your show. Yeah, it's it's an us deal. It's so a we deal. If you ever thought I want to have George do it or whoever, <laughs> uh, or some up and coming young star player that wants to get, and you said Mark, we're done. I'd say, okay, Greg, and uh, 
and that would be it. But until you tell me that, I'm I'm just going to show up at the games. So. And I feel the same. If somebody ever told me that, I'd say thanks, and I appreciate the opportunity I've had for all these years, and I had a blast. And then you, you move, but I, I I don't want that day to come anytime soon, and I I hope it's the same way for you. It is. So you're stuck with this until <laughs> until you're not stuck. with There you this, go. So. Let's uh, let's uh, let's do a game next Wednesday. What do you say? A week from tonight. Hard to believe it's coming around again. And uh, to be honest with you, I was pretty skeptical about this team and i got to go down uh i didn't get to see you there but that that luncheon we had before the wisconsin game and yeah i was there for the morning part yeah. didn't see you there you came you were there a little bit i was there for to watch uh, watch the guys play and, and run into some of the guys down there but i got to talk to some of the coaches and the players and uh, you know I've, i i really feel optimistic now about this team and you know you lose eric mika that's that's dramatic um but I think what it's going to happen, and this is my this is my hope, is they're going to change the way they play, and it's going to suit the guys better. And you bring in a couple pieces like Celius, and Yoli's going to be better, and everyone's going to be better. TJ is going to be off his mission a year. Nick was in a funk, and I think this new type of offense will help him, and he'll be better. And and so Elijah Bryant will be better. You know, he's got he's healthy. Knock on wood. All these always knocking on wood with the health, but. Uh, so I, I can see a scenario where they can be really, really good. And Dave Rose certainly talks about this may be the best team I've ever had, which makes me think, what? Uh, uh, but and, and maybe they're not, but uh, I, I like I like what I'm seeing and hearing. And, you know, sometimes it's better to be the underdog. When I came to BYU, Mike Smith had graduated. So Mike, he was a superstar of all time, you know. So he's kind of like an Eric Mika. And we, but we had great guys. We had Marty Haas and Andy Toulson, but we were picked to finish at the bottom of the conference, and we ended up winning the conference. And I, and I kind of see this team as that type of team that will play with a chip on their shoulder, have an edge a bit, not, right? And not, no one's going to expect them to go to the final four or anything. Yeah. And, and I think that it's a team that could actually be really good. But anytime you're talking about St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the conference, I mean that is a huge hill to climb. And until BYU can do it, I don't think we can give them too much credit i mean you've got to at some point prove it on the court i can think now that they'll be pretty good but you've got to go and, and beat those guys and until they do they're the big dogs if, if you finish third to st mary's and gonzaga in either order this season you're probably still you can still be a really good basketball team but getting to that next level remains the objective and when that happens when that happens mark it's gonna be a joyous day and we're gonna be there for it Doggone it. Uh, ironically, it's not even beating those guys necessarily. I mean, it's kind of been hit and miss. But, but it's, for the championship, it's beating, you know. It's beating the teams like the Pepperdines that take you out of the race. It takes you out of it. Uh, save some of the, save some stuff for next Wednesday. But we'll be, uh, we'll be on the air next Wednesday night, 7 o'clock uh, for the Cougar tip-off, 7.05 tip. So just a little brief talk-up uh, from 7 to 7.05 next Wednesday. Then we'll call the Cougar tip-off, and then it'll be uh, exhibition games and then regular season from there on out, and I'll have this guy at my side for almost every game you will hear this next season. Mark, pleasure having you with me here. It'll be a pleasure being with you all season. George, good to have you in studio. And... Uh, you know, when Mark puts out a tweet and, and has me as mini-me to his Dr. Evil, <laughs> it's all good. And it's always all good. Uh, I, I, know that, uh, I know that Mark um, does love me. 
and uh, and so whatever he does with me on on Twitter, um, I I just take as 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 a twisted sign of appreciation. I, I view Twitter as number one as my chance to torture you, <laughs> in a lot of ways. So I'm glad you take it in the right spirit. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll do this uh, together again on the air next Wednesday for the Cougar Tip Off. Mark, uh, pleasure to have you in. It won't be the last time you're on the show, by the way. We'll do it again. Well, we'll talk, you, we'll talk about you, different stuff. When you need the ratings, just give me a call. Yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll be down. We'll get the spike. All right, that's Mark Durant. Coming up next, Max Hall, BYU's winningest ever football quarterback, is with us. Behind the mic with Greg Grubel continues. It's BYU Radio, Series XM 143, BYU and the BYU Radio app. Max is next. Stay with us. Did you know that BYU has more than 80 alumni chapters worldwide? It's a way to connect with other alumni, help students in need, and help spread the influence of the Y all around the world. Most places have chapters where you live, and there are also chapters based on what your major was or even your profession. And chapters do great things, like helping provide financial aid for more than 400 BYU students this year. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. BYU alumni, connected for good. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Second only to Ty Detmer in career passing yardage, total offense, and passing touchdowns at BYU. Max Hall won more games than any other quarterback in BYU football history. 32 wins in 39 starts, and he never missed a single start. From his first game as a redshirt sophomore in 2007 through his final game, a bowl win over Oregon State in 2009. No one has thrown the ball as well, as efficiently, or productively since Max Hall left Provo. And he remains one of the most beloved signal callers in the long list of great ones at BYU. He's remembered not only for the numbers, but for his love of the game, his determination, and his drive. Max made it as a pro in both the NFL and the CFL after being an award winner in college and has since coached and coordinated at the offense at the high school level in uh, his home state of Arizona, helping his current team to a state championship last season and an excellent record so far this season. Having summited so many high points on the field, Max has seen some of life's lows off the gridiron and has, and doing so, distinguished himself as an admirable example of one who has always gotten up after getting knocked down. Indeed, BYU's winningest quarterback remains overall a winner. I'm very happy to welcome Max Hall behind the mic in tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni Connected for Good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.com. Dot edu slash chapters. Max Hall, good evening to you, and welcome to the show. Hey, Greg. Thanks for that introduction, man. Good to be on. Well, it's great to have you with us. And let's just uh, start with the current day. And uh, you are a, a coach and a coordinator for a very good football team. Would you tell us uh, and our listeners uh, where you are and what you are doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a school called American Leadership Academy out here in Queen Creek, Arizona. This will be my, uh, I'm in my third season with them right now, and um, it's it's absolutely a blast coaching high school kids. I got a great group of kids. They're hardworking. They actually listen and pay attention to me, which is nice. And um, coaching football at the high school level, it's in my opinion, it's it's a pure form of the sport, and it's about team and it's about sacrificing for each other and hard work and dedication. And um, I'm having a blast doing it. So we're we're doing a we have a good record so far this year. We have one loss, but 
two games left to the playoffs, and you know I think we're going to have some home field advantage for the playoffs and have a chance to make another run. So things are going well. What's your offensive style of play that you call? We run the spread, the kind of a version of the spread with the West Coast pass game. Um, we do a lot of RPO and get the ball out of my quarterback hand, uh, his hands quick. Um, you know, I, I do a little bit of everything, but I kind of adjust it based on the on the kids that I have and the talent that I have, and um, it, it's it's worked out. So a lot a lot of the pass concepts that I used at BYU and the Cardinals just kind of simplified different versions of it. But you know, power counter run game, and off we go. I, and um, it's it's fun coming up with plays and offense and things that we're doing. It's a blast, and I feel like I'm pretty good at it, so I like it. And Queen Creek is uh, southeast uh, suburban Phoenix? That's correct. Yep, it's southeast of Gilbert out here. So um, it's kind of a, a newer developing area, but it's the fastest-growing city um, in the state right now. So it's it's new. It's a lot, of, a lot of young families are moving out here. It's a great area. Aside from your BYU and CFL days, have you been in Arizona your whole life? Um, yes, pretty much. I mean, I, for two years we lived in, I lived in California actually when I was younger, when I was, uh, about eight years old. Um, my dad went to law school out there in San Diego. So I was out there for two years, but other than that, I've been in Arizona my whole life. Yeah. Your dad went to law school. Grandfather was a Supreme Court justice, right? Wizard White? No, that's actually... Is that, is that Danny's... Was, oh yeah, but, but Dan, but Danny White was, was your uncle though, right? Yeah, no, Danny. Danny's my uncle, and and my grandpa is Wizard White. But believe it or not, there's two Wizard Whites, and so one one was a Supreme Court uh, justice. But uh, my grandpa was just played. He was a running back at ASU. Played for the Chicago Bears. That's amazing, because you know, yeah, because the other Wizard White was a running back at Colorado, I think, right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah, but Danny and my grandpa are ASU legends. You know, their names up in the in the stadium and numbers retired at ASU. So. You know, big ASU family. Well, I, I I did not know about the two Wizard Whites till right now, and that's a, that's a, that, that's a nice little important fact to be aware of. But uh, Danny was uh, the uncle. F- f- football, a big big part of your life growing up. Uh, as a result, Mountain View High School was your high school down there in Arizona, right? Yeah, I went to Mountain View, same high school that uh, John Beck went to. So you know, I got the privilege of following John at Mountain View. And then getting to be uh, behind him one year at BYU, I learned a lot from John Beck. You know, he's one of my all-time favorite guys and um, has helped me a lot in my career. So it's kind of fun following him at both schools. State championship as a junior uh, for you in high school, and then state title game as a senior. Arizona State out of high school, then Mission, then BYU. And I still remember you having to sit out that season at BYU before you could play. By that time, you'd been out of high school a while. How much... Was that, I mean, how, how how much of an itch were you ready to scratch when you finally got to play in a game? Oh, I, definitely. And, you know, sitting that year, um, having to sit that year and run the scout team my first year there was probably the best thing that could have happened to me in my career. Because um, if you remember, we had a great defense that year. And um, I got to go up and compete against them every day in practice, and it helped prepare me to compete for the starting job the next year. But I, I still remember running out of the tunnel for that U of A game um, pretty nervous. It was funny. I was talking to my dad about it the other day. I think he was more nervous than I was sitting up in the stands. He could hardly even look up and watch the game. But, um, man, it was like I completed my first couple passes, and it was just like it came back. You know, I was in the groove and playing and took off from there. I was driving from 
I think Columbus to Starkville the other day with Mark Lyons, my broadcast partner. We were talking about you in that scout team year and just how much fun it was to watch scout team offense with you at the helm. That was a valuable like you you, you took that year really seriously. Some guys kind of just half you know care, and you you were all in that year. I, you know what? It's it's how I'm built. I, I don't care if it's practice. I don't care if it's playing basketball at an open gym. There's something inside of me that has to compete. And I didn't care if it was the starting defense and I had a bunch of freshmen and redshirt guys playing. I'd get in the huddle and be like, guys, we're going to take it to them today. And you know what? There were some days of practice we did. And some of, some of those defensive guys would get mad at me because, you know, me being young and kind of a loudmouth, I'd let them know that we were beating them up. Yeah. And uh, some some of those practices, I mean, um, and it was good for our team. They would come up to me after practice and be like, dude, you're giving us – we, we had a better look versus you all we can practice than what we saw in the game. And so that the, I just love competing. And I, and I love taking the energy level and the excitement level with all the guys around me and taking it to the next level. And, you know, that's how you get yourself better than the guys around you and – just how it's how I was built. I, I just love playing and competing, no matter who was on my team or who we were playing against. Thirty-nine games, three, thirteen times three, and you started every one, and you won thirty-two of them. And I, you know, I'm going to leave out a bunch of guys when I say Max Hall, Dennis Pitta, Andrew George, Austin Collie, Harvey Unga. But that's a core, a pretty, a pretty strong core group of guys you were with for most of your time. I hope you realize and fans realize that, that BYU had a collection of all-timers playing together to make these, uh, these some of the best offensive years we've ever seen at BYU. I'm sure you look around and realize how fortunate you were, too, to be a part of that group. Oh, uh, Listen, those guys are the reason that I have the title of the BYU's all-time winningest quarterback. It's those guys. I, I mean, when you look and you got Harvey standing next to you and you got Dennis over there and you got Austin over here, you know, Manasseh comes in, and then, I mean, even guys, Michael Reed, Andrew, I mean, Andrew George, I mean, I could go down and down the list of all the talented and, and great football players that I had with me, and it, it was a special time and a special group, and um, I was just fortunate to be there at the right time and play with those guys. Best memories of your BYU years? You know, I get asked that all the time, and uh, I think they're they're pretty obvious and, um, you know, obviously uh, the overtime pass against Utah was one of, one of my favorite plays and probably one of BYU's all-time favorite plays against that. And that Oklahoma game was obviously a big one. And, um, the, you know, they talk about the 4th uh, and 18 play my sophomore year. But mm-hmm. one of the funnest games I ever played in as a Cougar was when we uh, played UCLA my junior year and beat them. I think it was fifty nine to seven or fifty nine to nothing. Fifty nine zip. Like that. That was one of the one of the funnest days of football I've ever been a part of. But I'm still mad at Coach and I for not letting me throw one more touchdown in that game to break to break the record. But fun, fun, I mean, I could go on and on about some of the games and experiences that I had at BYU on the field. But plus, some of the stuff that I got to experience off the field, as far as uh, speaking at firesides or, or being able to interact with the community and with the fans and just how they treat you and the whole experience of being the BYU quarterback and, and going through that was, was phenomenal. And obviously I'll never forget it and I cherish those years for the rest of my life. 
You mentioned the UCLA game, which was a big win, 59-0, but the other UCLA game was in your fresh in your sophomore year, your second game as a Cougar. We went down to the Rose Bowl. We didn't win the game. It was 27-17, but I think I knew and everyone knew that day that you were going to be the right guy for BYU. You got beat up and got up over and over and over again. And yeah, they won it, but man alive, that was as well-competed a game as I've ever seen a quarterback play. And it was closer than the final score would indicate. And we got a couple of bad calls and a couple of bad bounces. But man alive, that day, I remember, I know you were probably physically a mess afterward, but gosh, you were tough. <laughs> well, I, I, thanks, Greg. I mean, I appreciate that. And that, that was a brutal game. You know, coming off a win versus U of A and then going to play them, UCLA decided, you know what, we're going to load the box and send the house and see what this young quarterback can do. And in the first half, I, I didn't know what was going on. I'm getting hit on every play. Even when I am getting the ball off, I'm getting hit. And, um, yeah, I, I was getting beat up, and I was getting madder and madder and frustrated, and we couldn't move the ball. And um, I just remember at halftime, Coach Doman coming over to me, and he, he was really good about calming me down. He just had this thing about him, and I'm in there huffing and puffing, and I'm mad, and he comes over, and he just kind of starts laughing at me and you know, says, hey, are you, are you okay? You going to be all right? And he goes, I am so excited to see how you're going to respond in this second half and help lead this team to try to go win this game. And you know what? As a team, that was a huge moment for us, not just me because – it wasn't just me battling back. It was everybody else. It was the line. Receivers made some great plays, and I think it really kind of defined who our team was that season. And going forward, even though we lost the game, I thought we got better and took, the, took yeah. a step forward during that game. So, Well, you lost seven games as a starter, and BYU this season's already lost six in a row. How much do you follow BYU right now, and how much do you hurt for the guys on the current team? I mean, yes, I follow them. I watch all the games, and um, you know, I, I try not to call the coaches or be involved too much. I I, I don't want to be the guy calling them all the time and saying what's going on. And um, but I watch, and it's been unfortunate. And um, I'm I'm still a fan. I still cheer, but I just I I hope the the guys just haven't brought it like I wanted them to. I haven't seen the energy. I haven't seen the the competitive. No, competitiveness level that I want to see and guys making plays and having fun playing football with each other. I see hesitancy. I see nervousness. I see trying not to make a mistake, which leads to more mistakes and not, not physical play. So it's, it's been frustrating to watch. And I think everybody would agree with me on that. And um, uh, the quarterback rotation, everything that's happened there. So, I mean, I, I hope they can turn it around and win a bunch of games going forth you know, through the rest of the season, but it's it's been a tough year to watch. Max, I don't want to give short shrift to this because it, it, it deserves a lot more focus than I might be able to give it in 90 seconds or two minutes, but how much value do you still place today on on sharing your story of, of addiction and the battle to overcome it in your life? You know what I do, and I get opportunities to talk about it. I'm very open about it with anybody who comes in contact with me, and I talk about it. And, um, um, man, it was it was rough. It was brutal. And, and having to look myself in the mirror and admit that I had gone through that and did some of those things and have to man up to it and own it. And how, what do we go from here, you know, going forward and waking up every day and, and, and having the mindset and the attitude of what that day was going to be like and how it was going to get better is tough. And I think people can learn from it. And even, even though some of it was really embarrassing for me, 
I think it's made me a better person and, and given me a story and an opportunity to help others. Well, I admire you for the person you are, and I know that BYU fans do too, and maybe in a different conversation we can uh, get more in-depth about uh, uh, how people are being helped uh, by you. But uh, man alive, Max, I'm glad I got you on, and I'd like to do it again sometime. Uh, great to have your thoughts on, uh, on some great days and what we hope are better days for BYU football coming up. And uh, always a pleasure speaking with you. You've, you gave me some of the best memories of my career. Thanks so much. Listen, Greg, you've always been great to me, man. Love and appreciate you. Let's do it again. Have me on. I'd love that. Thanks, Mac. That's Max Hall, and this has been Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Thanks for tuning in on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, and the BYU Radio app. We'll talk to you next Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Mountain, right here on BYU Radio. So long, and go Cougs.